0: Craig, on Do South. This is Jay Samco.
1: I am Catherine Bruyer. Hey everyone, this is Ramona Milano, otherwise known as Francesca Vecchio.
0: This is Paul haggis This is Paul Gross, and you're listening to Do South by Southeast. Thank you kindly. <music> I wish this podcast would carry me away But while talking to squeak, can the shell get a word in edgeways
1: Rickled over a bottle of rum on a darker South and debate To hey, South That is what we're talking about To South Saddle up my microphone Get deep in Baker bone to South by South hello and welcome to this uh, special uh Squeefest. you see I've even lost my words like 13 hours into this event, but the special edition for Squeefest of Due South by South East, the show which usually gives Due South its due one episode at a time. Tonight we're doing something a bit more special. Thank you very much to Matt Leeds who does uh, our theme tune there. We're welcoming the man who put the music behind Due South. Uh, we've always said that uh, in due south the music is an extra character it gives an extra dimension which just wouldn't be there otherwise please welcome the ever wonderful jay semko how are you doing jay good.
0: good nice to be here how are you doing can you hear me
1: i uh, can hear you loud and clear thank you very loud much yeah.
0: all right great <laughs> which hey, is you know what? Really- oh, yeah, I, I don't think i'd ever actually heard that version of the theme song it's pretty cool
1: it's a, it's a, uh, as I say, it's, it's our friend uh, Matt Lees very kindly, has actually done the theme tune to every uh, show I've ever done, and he was uh, goodly enough to do a version of your wonderful our theme tune.
0: Oh, it's cool. It's cool.
1: <laughs> oh, thank you. I, I will pass that on. Uh, all praise to Matt. Uh, now, sir, uh, very glad that you are coming through, Claire, because uh, we didn't have such luck with David Marciano earlier. He was very lovely with his time. Unfortunately, technology got the best of us. So anyone from the G-South Comedian team is watching, we will bring you an interview with, uh, with David to make that up another time. He's very kindly agreed to do that. Uh, but Jay, uh, first of all, like I've been asking everyone, how in your corner of the world is everyone doing in these weird and wonderful times we're in?
0: Well, we're doing all right. I we're, I'm in Sus- the province of Saskatchewan in Canada,
1: mm-hmm. which
0: is uh sort of I guess not quite in the geographic center of of the country, but close. I think Winnipeg is Manitoba one province over would be that. So I I'm in the city of Saskatoon in Saskatchewan and uh unfortunately we're undergoing a bit of a uh a bit of a surge of cases with COVID right now. And uh one of the one of the things is we've got we have a high a high number of people that aren't vaccinated yet although that is improving and more people are are becoming vaccinated which will hopefully bring the numbers down and uh but you know we're doing okay i mean in this particular province everything is pretty much wide open like we as of you know mid-july any uh restrictions etc were removed in saskatchewan so there's you know there's and, and businesses i guess have the choice of whether they whether they want people to wear a mask in there and that kind of thing but it's uh but you know there there has been some live music there's been uh some some light at the end of the tunnel this summer because of actually the my band, the Northern Pikes. Well, I'm one of the members of the band. I can't say it's my band, but I'm I'm one of the four guys in the band. We've actually been out playing a few live shows, which we hadn't. The last time we had played pre-COVID was we played a couple of nights in Toronto in November of 2019. And uh, we hadn't played. And, you know, so we ended up, Playing the Saskatoon, or there's a in the province of Saskatchewan, it's called the Saskatchewan Jazz Festival. Although it's really a a wide variety of music, and uh, so we were kind of the, uh, I guess, the headliners. We finished off the the whole festival this year, which was really fun. We had never played that particular festival, and people were very. It was very joyous, you know. People were very excited to have live music happening again, and and it was like like a a week long festival. And then we went to the city of Winnipeg, and we played. uh, a couple of shows there or one show with I guess three other bands and that was really fun to see some of the other people from the other musicians or the other musicians from the other bands one was a band 5440 a great Canadian band and also the Jim Cuddy band Jim Cuddy is a member of the band uh, Blue Rodeo and Blue Rodeo actually had a song on one of the episodes of Do South I think the song was flying but uh, anyway, Jim is what, one of the members of Blue Rodeo, and his band uh, includes other members of that group. And there was a band from Winnipeg called the Trebles, who I just met for the first time, and uh, and the Northern Pikes played on that bill, and it was really fun. The, the in fact, the theater, interestingly enough, is uh, it was called the Walker Theater. It's a haunted, beautiful theater in downtown Winnipeg, and but a number of years ago they changed the name to the Burton Cummings Theater. Burton Cummings being singer songwriter from the band the Guess Who, who were really one of the uh, one of the most popular Canadian bands. And you know what, one of the first records I ever bought was by the Guess Who. And uh, so anyway, it's called the Burton Cummings Theatre. And, and then most recently, see what we were doing also, is we started working on an album in the autumn of 2019, which got I guess postponed because because of COVID, we didn't finish. We made a good dent in it in the stuff that we were working on, but uh, so we we were booked to play a show on September 10th in St. John's, Newfoundland, which is in the extreme far east of Canada. That's the closest uh, closest we get to <laughs> to the UK is is St. John's. Literally, it's right on the the eastern tip of Canada, but. Uh, hurricane Larry, a, a hurricane, came zooming up. And so we flew in and literally the next day flew out of there before the hurricane hit and they canceled our show. It was once again a festival, a week-long festival called the Iceberg Festival, which is quite apropos because they get a lot of icebergs in Newfoundland. It's really an amazing place. I mean, it's it's a, a pretty neat place to to get to. But the uh, unfortunately, we didn't get to play. So then we flew down to Halifax, beating the hurricane before it showed up in Newfoundland, and then uh, went into the recording studio to continue working on the album that we uh, had sort of halted work on two years previously. So <laughs> we're getting close on that. It's it'll it'll be a cool album. It's it's kind of a tribute to our our Snow in June record. It's the 30th anniversary of the release of that album, and. Uh, so it includes, I guess, it's kind of a, a stripped down kind of acoustic oriented, more of a folky side of the Northern Pikes. It includes some new songs and some reworkings of the Snow and June songs. So anyway, it was fun. It was really fun to hang out with the guys and work in the studio and been fun to to play the shows. We're, we're all best friends. We've known each other. We're like brothers. We've known each other since we were literally teenagers. So, you know, I, I guess with Kevin, Kevin Kane is our newest member who well, I really have just gotten to know over the past few years when he's been playing in the group. But Kevin also plays in a group called the Grapes of Wrath, a very popular Canadian group. And so uh, Kevin joined the group a few years ago. And so, yeah, it's it was just really fun to be back and doing that, even though I I have been busy, you know, in, in Saskatoon doing a, numer- a number of different projects over the last, I guess, 20 months essentially, you know. So how are things there? How are things where you are?
1: Yeah, I mean, we're in a very uh, I think good position with the vaccine rollout. We we got in fairly early with that. And uh so the and although the cases are rising here for COVID, unfortunately, as especially as we go into winter, that was kind of expected. Uh the number of hospitalizations and people getting seriously ill are way down. Uh, so that's a really good effect. It just means that it's uh, hitting our industries and people who can't work and the amount of like delivery drivers, for instance, and things like that, which are down. Uh, but generally speaking, it's, it's quite a good picture. I mean, um, to me and some others, you could question how quickly we opened everything up. So everything's open now and there's no mandate to wear masks anywhere. For me, I think maybe just even on public transport and supermarkets might have been nice to have a mask mandate. Uh, For me, if you go to the pub or something like that, you're kind of accepting a level of risk. uh, But maybe areas where everyone has to go, I think it would have been nice, but that's another story. Uh, So we're getting on okay. like everything's opened up. I just worry what the kind of end result of everything opening up is, and I hope everyone's okay.
0: Yeah, well, like I guess that's similar here. You know, it's interesting because different provinces have different rules regarding that. And when we went to uh, no, both Newfoundland and Nova Scotia had, had much stricter protocols than they do in the province where I live in Saskatchewan. And, uh, the, and their numbers are quite a bit lower in terms of people ill in fatalities and stuff like that. So interesting to see, you know, it'd be Canada's a, a great big, huge spread out country with these Provinces and territories, and uh, and then the fun thing about actually playing in a in the band in the Northern Pikes is that we've been able to travel literally over every every province, every territory, up to the Arctic, and and everywhere, <laughs> and being able to play music over the years. So it's been kind of fun. But we've never been to the UK, and I would love to go. And I, our first two records were released there. We were signed to Virgin Records originally in nineteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, 87 and we did a number of records on virgin and the first two albums were released in every territory where virgin released albums actually so and you know we had a tour that kind of fell through at the last minute actually we were going to be out touring I remember with a band called do you remember the band topao
1: oh yeah yeah China in your hands yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah
0: we were we were booked to do a tour with them and then something happened literally a week before we were supposed to do that it didn't happen so I don't know I still would love to go over there i I, I, I have many friends now who 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 live there you know through through the wonder of the internet and through the work that I've done on 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 do south and and other TV shows and other music projects I've been working on so I would love to go over there I really would I really would love to go that's that's on my my list in the next couple of years, I think, is to get over there. I think it's going to be Fantastic. cool. My niece well, is now living there with her husband and, and kids. And he's originally, he's from there. They live in Chelten, at Cheltenham, and I don't know exactly where that is. But uh,
1: Cheltenham, it's up uh, London Way.
0: Up London Way. And where are you right now?
1: Uh, Southampton, so basically an, an hour out of London.
0: An hour of London. Okay, cool. Yeah. And I see you've got some amazing pictures there. I love the Spock picture.
1: Yeah, a cool. of spark. we've got actually some – you've got to point in the opposite direction because the camera flips it, but uh, from due south we've got the cover with uh, Signed by the Guys, um, oh, a bit of Doctor Who. Uh, some of the podcast, which I'm part of. Um, yeah, yeah, a little bit of uh, decoration in the background.
0: Oh, cool. You know what I saw once online? Yep. Somebody had taken uh, the theme song from – due south and put it to some doctor who clips and I, I i haven't seen it since i saw it once and maybe it's still up i don't know i guess if somebody wants to search for that but it was very interesting it did an interesting thing whoever did that had a really uh, creative uh knack for for fitting music with with picture you know pretty Amazing.
1: cool uh just very quickly we just got a message from uh mutual friend john Wright, who was uh, very kind in helping set this oh, up john, today man. so hey jay uh we'll dip and help watching as i'm doing some chores and groceries down here in australia uh so a big hi from john there and uh, well,
0: hey john good to good to see you brother <laughs> i uh, met you one during the they've been a number of uh do south conventions in mm. toronto
1: RCW one three nine events.
0: Yeah, that's the uh, here. I'll show you here. Where is it? Uh... I love it. <laughs> it's my license plate that I get that they gave me. So pretty cool, <laughs> pretty cool. And that you know, and the Do South fans will know that that was the license number on Ray Vecchio's. Riviera.
1: Yeah. Um, so sad. So, look, I've got some questions uh, from the fans as well as from myself uh, to put to you. Uh, I'm actually going to start off. Uh, there is a special uh, young mini Mountie. We've got uh, Micah who's uh, submitted a question for you. So we've got a little video clip for this one. Okay. Hi, Jay. I'm Micah, and I'm seven. My favourite music is cabin music, and times changed. How do you feel like listening to Do South now? So her favorite music is Cabin Music and Times Change. And uh, how do you feel when you listen to the Do South music now?
0: You know, it's very interesting because Do South has just over the last, I guess, the last year or so, come back into syndication in Canada. And it plays on a couple of TV stations. And, I mean, it's on... about every few hours literally actually (laughs) so i've been kind of catching and watching some of the episodes and i mean you know it's been a number of years and and it's really fun for me to go back see the episodes hear the music and go oh yeah and sometimes you know there's the odd one will go by and i go wow i barely remember doing that you know but it's uh we when we worked on the episodes there were sometimes there were very strict time constraints so you didn't have much time to really to overthink things and sometimes that's good because it just you go on instinct and you get it done especially once we were in the groove and we knew what our main themes were in the show but that's very cool that you like times change (laughs) and uh and i'm sorry what was the young lady's name again and micah micah Times change. That's on my first solo album. The album is entitled Mouse and Cabin Music. Well, speaking of cabin music, well, I just happen to have this guy here. (laughs) Cabin Music. That was, you know, it's interesting. A lot of people really do love the cabin music, uh, music cue, piece of music, what they're called on a, every piece of music that's a piece of score in a TV show or a film is referred to as a cue, as a music cue. Mm. so that that cue and that was really the first piece of music that i wrote uh for due south i what happened was i was contacted by uh the northern pikes agent and the band was actually breaking up this is in mid-1993 and uh and they uh, they contacted me and said uh there's this new tv show that they're working on and they're shooting up in the yukon right now and uh producer is a, a big fan of your songwriting and would like to know whether you'd like to try and uh, submit a demo for a potential theme song for the show if it if it actually goes to a series and they were shooting the pilot there. So and that was a very interesting experience because I I had never I've never had a song come to me so quickly. And as we were speaking on the phone, I literally she was describing the plot of the pilot movie. Janet, the, the the agent, and I just started getting a lot of ideas. And I was like, whoa, I could hear the melody in my head. And I started scribbling down lyrical ideas. And it was just one of those things where I could hardly wait to get off the phone because I had this song in my brain and I wanted to, I didn't want to lose it. I didn't want to forget about it. So I wanted to kind of do just a quickie recording on it. Back then I used a cassette player to record things on. And it happened very quickly. And then they liked what I what I submitted there. So a number of weeks later, they said, well, would you like to try and uh, submit something for the music score? And I said, well, I have no idea what I'm doing. I, I've never, I had no experience in that at all. I knew nothing about film scoring or anything, but, but you can, if you send me something, I'll see if I can find some music for that, that seems appropriate. And there was a scene, one of the, uh, so they sent some rough, just roughs on a, on a VHS tape and rough, rough uh versions of scenes that were you know they hadn't done a final edit of the show or anything anything like that and there were a few scenes and one of them was uh fraser benton fraser in the the mountie in investigating and looking for clues uh after his father had been assassinated and he's up looking and it sort of the uh, up in the up in the looking on the tree branches and for signs of evidence and stuff like that and that's where I put cabin music to that. It was just like... a little longer than that but that was hopefully the hopefully that sounded okay over the airways there
1: amazing sir uh just thank you what an honor uh but that was
0: human music and that was the first kind of score piece that i kind of i guess demoed and then i guess what happened from there is i i wrote three pieces of music and one the other one was a another piece of music that which never really saw the light of day because it was probably not appropriate for it. it was more like surf music during the snowmobile chase happening and then there was uh in the third piece i don't remember i don't remember what the third one was right now but anyway i did a, a quick recording of this stuff and uh i played all the instruments and i just sent it in and uh and lo and behold a few weeks later they got back to me and said we really like what you're doing and would you like would be interested in coming to Toronto and uh and starting potentially starting work on the pilot movie and we'll be hooking you up with some other more established film composers because they were aware that i was a complete rookie at doing that so it was literally the next day i can't i can't it was bizarre they had just said well look they're spotting the spotting the episode essentially means you sit and look at the uh the version of the show that you're going to be working with and and with the producers and often the director and and other people who are involved uh, in the production and you're looking at it all and you talk about the music and you talk about uh places where where the producer envisions music going in for various scenes where it would go in and where it would stop, like where it would begin and stop within uh, the context of the show and the various scenes. And uh, so literally I, w- I was on a plane later that day and I went to Toronto and the next morning there was a spotting session with uh, with Paul Haggis and I think Jeff King was there. And uh, and that was the first time I met John McCarthy and Jack Lenz, who became, we, we became the, the, the team, the composing team for Due South. And... Uh, we got to know each other. It was really quite a, a cool thing for me because I I didn't know at all really what I was doing about the, any of the technical aspects of it, but I, I did have a good, I believe I had a good instinct for for what would work in certain scenes. And I think that was sort of, plus I come from a songwriting background and I think that was really lent itself well. And, and I really envisioned, my vision was organic type instruments like acoustic guitars and harmonica and, that kind of thing you know and using the piano and uh yeah so we all met we spent a few hours looking at the first cut of due south and then uh you know john and i went back to his place i think we noodled around for a while on a couple of musical ideas and then literally the next day the three of us got together uh, at a different studio and started working on stuff and we we all became you know you get very close it was almost like having another band it was the timing of it was really good for me because you know the band the northern pikes had just broken up and i was really feeling somewhat at a bit of a loss as to what what am i going to do now where am i going to go and what's happening and uh and lo and behold we kind of became this trio <laughs> we became our own band to a certain extent working on the show and those guys are so talented i mean when you look at it john mccarthy is one. Uh, Numerous awards, and one of the one of the awards he won was it was called the Genies at that time. Now they're all called the Canadian Screen Awards in various categories. But he 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 won the Canadian equivalent of the Academy Award for motion picture for doing the score for uh, a movie that was adapted from a Margaret Atwood novel. I think it's called The Stone Angel, and uh, and Jack Jack Lenz has won so many awards through SOCAN, which is the Performing Rights Organization of Canada, for his massive amount of work that he's done on television shows over the years, you know? And so these guys are really, really talented people. I mean, and you know, their pedigree as well. It's interesting, well, you would know probably, I'm sure people in the UK are aware of Mott the Hoople and Ian Hunter from Mott the Hoople. John McCarthy Mm -hmm. did did a tour playing uh saxophone (laughs) with ian hunter as part of the ian hunter band jack Lenz uh played for a number of years with uh seals and crofts and Loggins in messina so you know they 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 were they had work in those kind of situations team situations before as as band members and uh yeah we we just sort of sat down there and started working on but the question was what was my favorite piece of music? Well, I think cabin music stands up pretty well from from the TV show, and we've used that in various uh, various scenes where there's a bit of a retrospective or a bit of uh, perhaps uh, melancholy happening in regards to the Mountie to Benton Fraser. And And you know, it's his the character was so brilliant uh, for him because he really was a fish out of water. But he always was so resilient and maintained that positive attitude. And really, the the episodes where he he lost some of that became very, very memorable and really impacted a lot of people. Like for instance, Victoria's Secret. A lot of people really loved the music in that particular episode. And a lot of that was solo piano. And that was Jack playing the piano. And we were very limited for time on that episode, I recall. We had to, it was basically, we did it as a two hour movie. You know, they, in some, Uh, Some places they ran it as two one hour episodes and other places they ran it as a full two hour television movie. And uh, I remember Paul, Paul Haggis was, he spent a lot of time in the studio with us when we worked on that. He knew that that was a really different and uh, in some ways very important episode because it really showed a whole different twist going on with the main character. And so Paul was pretty hands-on in that particular episode. And I mean, we really didn't sleep for about a week. I mean, you know, there were episodes with with tight timelines where I think the tightest timeline we ever had was 24 hours. We had it literally because there were something that occurred and uh, the the final cut kept getting delayed and delayed. And finally it was there. But we had to have it done because it was scheduled to air like three days later. And this is pre, you know, pre Internet. At least to the extent that we have it now and i remember uh pam was the lady who would deliver literally hand deliver the the final episodes to cbs uh studios in new york city so she would cruise down, take a plane down there. And I mean, literally, the, and I, I don't remember which day it was or which episode it was, it was such a short turnaround, but literally she got there at five o'clock in the afternoon and the show was airing at seven, I think. So it was that that close oh, to me. getting it happening there, you know?
1: Oh, sir. And uh, there was actually a bit of music I want to ask you about. Uh, you mentioned some of the kind of amazing heavy hits there. For me, uh, the Inuit soliloquy, Uh, I I don't know if that's the name of the the bit of music, but that was certainly the name of the track on the soundtrack album. Uh, And it was just the most wonderful speech by Paul Gross talking about um, the plight of the Inuit and this mother giving birth uh, and then just moving on and keeping on walking. And the bit of music which leads into that. uh, Can you tell us a bit about that one?
0: Well, one of the things that we, one of the themes that we consistently used in there was when 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 there was a reference to to the arctic and to the north and the wilderness and that kind of thing and especially to the inuit people we would and and as well for you know because he he's that wild element that wild you know northern uh element the dog and i mean and he's a a wolf in real life he was a half wolf (laughs) but in in the show he was he was considered a wolf and uh So there was, you know, we used uh, the drum, like a traditional drum, and there's that, you know, the pulse going through there, and there's some airy, I believe there's a little bit of airy kind of synth going on, and there's a little bit of uh, acoustic guitar, and there's flute with a lot of delay by delay, like echo and reverb on it. And that's John McCarthy. He's a flute player. He's he played classical flute, played with the Etobicoke Philharmonic Orchestra as a flute player. So we were really fortunate. You know, we used, I really feel like we, as, as, a, as a composing team, and there were the three of us, there was John and Jack and I for the first 40 episodes of the show. And then there was a break of a year and uh and then when they came back to do another 26 john had moved to los angeles he had gotten his green card and moved down there and he's lived there uh till now and and i had come back to saskatchewan from toronto because the show all the work that we did was always in toronto and so i moved back to toronto to continue working on the show but that was uh yeah, that was. I really love that music. I really, I really love that vibe. And there was just sort of a, a, a wild and somewhat, you know, uh, otherworldly quality to to those, to those music cues, and especially in regards to you know, there's another cue that we used. I can recall that was very similar to that, although more energetic, and it's where uh, Fraser may have to to shoot. Baker and he's running and he's, he's got the gun and, and the music is going and it really builds nicely through that whole, that whole section. And, uh, it turns out it doesn't happen. So, you know, everything turns out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so something, something, some fans of Do South, well, maybe they know about this or maybe they don't, but they, for a, along the way, what ended up happening was the dog Diefenbaker, and I wish I could remember his name. Now I know that the, the Do South fans will know the dog's name but uh, uh Lincoln perhaps perhaps e, the uh anyway <laughs> the what because when you're shooting a tv show and I, I've shot tons of music videos and I've actually been a, a I've been a, an extra on an episode of Do south on the on Mountie Sings the Blues that's the name of the the episode with Ronnie Hawkins I got to hang out with rock and roll legend Ronnie Hawkins for a couple of days and i was my part was uh yes it was lincoln somebody's yes and i just realized now uh here we go yes people are yes it was lincoln and the uh anyway what had what would happen is the dogs would get anxious there was lincoln and his brother was sort of the he was he would sub in for him sometimes between the two dogs sometimes the dogs would get anxious it's a long time on a, on a TV set to be kind of staying still. And they'd have to have a scene where the dog has to stay still. And they would get kind of squirrely and interrupt the shooting sometimes. So they built a robotic version of Diefenbaker. Well, so there was, we always, we called it Robo Deef. <laughs> nice. Robo Dief. That became one of the, one of the interesting things that we did when we were working on the episodes is trying to figure out in a scene, okay. Is that real Deef? Or is that RoboDeef? <laughs> and they, they did such a great job. And I, I think it was a very expensive thing to do this. And he didn't move. He would basically lay there and kind of look around and stuff like that. But it was, he looked very realistic, the the, the RoboDeaf. So, but the original question, pieces of music, geez, I don't know. I've written a lot of music over the years. I've There's some songs that seem to have their, their time and then they kind of, like, I find oh maybe i'm kind of tired of that one now and then it'll get rejuvenated in my brain a few years later and but in terms of of due south i think this the theme song stands out very well over time both the instrumental and uh and the vocal version the theme song is actually credited as a co-write to brian potvan from the pikes and rightly so because what happened was when we were, when I had the call to do the the, the theme song, I went into Don Schmidt, the drummer from the Northern Pikes, at his own recording studio in Saskatoon. And by fluke, Brian was visiting. I think he was visiting his mother and his sister. And anyway, we got together. That was kind of like the last kind of recording that we did together until we reformed back in 1999. And I had this song and then Brian, I I I had the idea for the descending guitar line. And what happened was Brian was tight for time. He couldn't stay for long. So he did two takes and they were different than what I originally had wanted, which at the time was distressing to me because I, I went, well, this isn't exactly what I was thinking here, but it worked and it worked pretty well. And it became a signature part of the song. And so... Brian is the, he's the co-writer of that song. And that that was the, the right thing to do there. And I'm, I'm very glad we did that. So yeah, so what you hear, when you hear the theme is the original recording on there. There's, that's Don Schmidt on the drums and Ross Nicky who was kind of our unofficial fifth tight guy. He was a hired gun as a keyboard player and multi-instrumentalist. Uh, he played on our Neptune album and also toured for a couple of years with us. And uh, so Ross played the keys in there and did the accordion thing. And, and Brian played electric and I played bass, acoustic, and did a second electric part in the, in the song. So, and uh, yeah, that's the, the theme song there. And so when you hear that, that's what they, the, it was never redone. Although when we, when the show went to series, I ended up re, sort of beefing up the uh, harmony vocals and I can't remember the names now, unfortunately, of the guys that came in. There were two great singers and came in and sort of re-sang harmonies that I had overdubbed myself. Like, I sang my vocal and, and did the original harmonies on there. And then uh, also, when we went to do the, uh, the soundtrack album, there was a, a great fiddler by the name of Ashley McIsaac. And maybe you guys know him over there. I'm not sure if you do, but very well known in Canada and he ended up playing fiddle on there. And in fact, he played fiddle on the episode, which was the fourth episode of Due South, They Eat Horses, Don't They?, which featured great Canadian actor, Al Waxman. And, uh, and Ashley, a very eccentric and amazing musician. And, uh, he's a lefty. He plays the, the fiddle left-handed and he's from Nova Scotia and it but just it was just good fortune he was traveling through touring across canada and i happened to be in saskatoon and the agent said ashley's coming through it'd be great if he could play some fiddle on this particular version of the song because we knew it was going to go to a soundtrack album so he came in and laid down a bunch of tracks the morning he got in and uh and it's on there so and i really love the fiddle in there i think it's really quite quite great. So yeah, it's been through a a bunch of different mutations over the years, the theme song, but it's uh, one of those things where it seems to have lasted fairly well. And I I can remember at the time when the show uh, was first airing, I remember Paul Haggis, who I greatly respect as in Mm. so many ways. He's just an amazing, uh, amazing individual in many, many ways. And I learned so much from him. And he was, he was tough, but he was fair. You know, and he really, you know, I, I really feel like he he kind of, in some ways, took me under his wing. He saw some potential in in my my music composing ability, and and gave me a chance to to work on that. and And the music stands up really well, I think, over time. I think it does. But anyway, he at one point he said that he thought that was the best theme song on TV, at least back at, at that time and that we all took that as, as as a compliment that was a that was a really really kind of a cool thing to hear that from him because I, I he really you know he really knows music and i mean he was he's really just uh he's just really got a he's just got, really got a, a, a an amazing vision for things and an amazing memory i remember he never forgot anything because if you forgot something and there was a lot of music in Do so sometimes sometimes you would have a you know you'd have 40 pieces of music in an episode and some of them are just little blips that are five seconds three seconds long and others are a minute long and and there was generally always a song or two in in every episode as well so there was it was heavy heavy amount of music in the show so he would remember it it was like gee didn't i I i wanted you to do (laughs) this here you know and 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 i you know we 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 even with all our notes that we would be taking we some occasionally would forget something he would remember that and remind us of it and so yeah very brilliant brilliant individual very feel very blessed to have been able to to learn from him and work with him over the years and we stayed in touch a little bit over the years but for a little bit but uh but yeah it was it was a few years ago i think we were in touch and uh Anyway, cool guy, very, feel very blessed to be able to have worked with him.
1: One thing which I've always wondered, because uh, both the original bits of score and bits of music for Due South, as well as the uh, song choices, additionally, are always not only fantastic, but so well blended to uh, suit the episode. Uh, Were you involved in picking out the piece of music to go around your original compositions?
0: No, there were music. There was a music supervisor that did that. And for a large portion of the shows, it was Karen Medic, who who I have stayed in touch with a little bit over the years. We're, we've stayed in touch over social media and stuff. And I don't know if she's involved in that now, but she, uh, she uh, chose a lot of the music and the, well, I must say the very first season, Paul Haggis, he was directly responsible for choosing the music. You know, that was the, the first 22 episodes. And then the next 18, Jeff King was a producer and I know he was involved in that as well as Karen. And then for the last 26, Karen was the person sort of choosing the music, but it was interesting, you know, because Paul really, Paul Haggis had a real, uh, knack for finding just the right songs to fit with the right <laughs> in the right places and there were uh, you know there were a number of Sarah McLaughlin songs and also Lorena McKinnett both great female singer-songwriters that just have a, a real uh, distinct quality to their to their music and one thing that was really neat that, that we that I learned that and I guess partly from Jack and John and partly from Paul but really a lot from from the two guys that we, you know, my, my compadres, musical compadres, we were, uh, you were, you were really the direction of the music for an episode was often dictated by what might be a feature song. And like, in a, as a, as a, for instance, there's an episode called we're the Eggman. We are the Eggman. And so we, we do a little subtle, acknowledgement of uh, the Beatles song that features that, which is, uh, we are the, I'm the walrus. I'm the walrus. Really all it is, we just use that kind of guitar sound in a couple little spots there. And it really was not completely, it's more subliminally, perhaps subliminally recognizable as referring to that a little bit. But it's, uh, and you know, and there was like another one that featured, uh, what was the, the the band, the song was Aquatuta, I remember it was Aquatuta. It was sung in Inuit and uh, it had this kind of minor low kind of E minor thing and I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. Let's kind of, you know, you, you, you found yourself kind of in some ways referencing back to those pieces of music a little bit, you know, in, in various ways and maybe they were ways quite often that maybe us as the composers would, only really notice very much but uh but i think sometimes people would but there was a lot of care done in the music there was a lot of detail and a lot of (laughs) there was a lot of work and i tell you i don't think i've ever worked at anything as hard i mean finishing albums in you know sometimes that can be a really you stay up for a few days and you're really burning it to make sure you've got the correct things recorded and that the mix is happening and everything else but with due south generally when we were finishing an episode uh we were quite often we would push it right to the last minute and literally stay up all night and then i was usually the person that would deliver the music to uh the where where they were doing the final audio mix which was deluxe toronto there's a series of deluxe around the world i think and they, it was Del- deluxe toronto and uh and it was interesting to see how technology developed over time because the first you know the first season we delivered first of all they were mixing it all on analog tape 224 track Alan Armored Al who's a buddy became a great friend of mine in, in uh, Toronto and now he's living uh, outside of Toronto and uh but anyway he was the mixer he was the mix the head of mixing the entire audio for the show for all of the episodes and so when he was so it was interesting to see it develop with al along the way but there were two mci two inch tape machines analog tape that was where all the tracks were done and then they mixed it down to i think quarter inch analog tape which is old school kind of you know making records kind of thing the next season switched over to Tascam DA-88 multi And they were a series of small multi-track tapes that were about almost the size of an audio cassette and uh, a bunch of these machines running in tandem. And they were much quicker and recording-wise a little more accurate. But uh, And then the third, by the by the end, by when we took the year off and then we came back for the last, uh 26 episodes everything was digital by then it was all done pro tools so it was all being mixed in the digital domain by then which made it much easier to drop in the music cues because you could you could line it up you there wasn't as much trial and error to sort of you know try and get it in, in the exact spot even though you would have the numbers the SMPTE time timecode numbers and by that i mean when you're working on an episode you're seeing the picture but along the bottom, you've got it, which is a burn-in, a time code, and it's really, to be general about it, it's about one thirtieth each frame. There's a frame that goes by. Each frame is roughly uh, one thirtieth of a second. If I'm if I'm saying that correctly, anyway, it's very really accurate, and so you can line this stuff up really accurate when it's in the digital domain. Bing, you can you can get it dead on. Before that, you were kind of you could have a little bit of movement with that along the way. But it's uh so in a basically <laughs> I would go there at, at seven o'clock in the morning or six thirty in the morning after staying up all night and sit with whoever was uh often it was Stephen Barden, who's still working in films and has been an amazing award-winning uh film guy over the years. There was Jill, yeah, it was Jill and Stephen. Anyway, we blowed in the music and then Al would start mixing with, and he would have a a couple of assistants there as well. And it was a two-day mix. So generally, he would mix, and then we go, us as the composers, or at least some of us, and I was at most most of the final mixes. We would be in there when it came to final playback, because you'd want to, if they were, when and that's when the producers would come in so you know the first season it was Paul Haggis and the second season it was Jeff King and then the last 26 Paul Gross was the head producer so and they would basically be listening to the mix and you had to be available in case something needed to change uh, with the music or needed to be adapted or something like that anyway I'm just rambling on and on and on but it, it's fun to to go back and, and remember that whole process but we worked hard. It was it was hard work, but it was well worth it, and it was such a satisfying feeling when you saw it air live on television. You know, it was. Yeah. Uh, but the thing that was that was really <laughs> that, that really happened is you would spend often many hours working on a piece of music for a particular scene, and then you'd watch it on TV, and it would just kind of zip on by. You know, like it seemed like it was. I was like, wow. I, we spent like half a day on that and it just zipped by in about 90 seconds you know and which is the way it is it's just the way it is for television and film that kind of thing but it was very satisfying to actually see the episodes when you could often we couldn't we'd be working you know when they would actually air like the you know we'd be working on the next episode when the other one that we had just worked on would air but uh But it was neat to see it on tv and you really got an interesting picture and an interesting audio vibe of of what it sounded like because it is different being hearing things back in a recording studio and hearing them over the air you know it's a a process you never stop learning and i i still have so much to learn and i got really spoiled on due south because literally everybody that i worked with on that show were the cream of the crop in canada they were literally the best the people that worked on that show were the best in their fields, and uh, you know, and I've worked on many other uh, TV series and and things since then. And I, you know, it, you really it, it set a, a bar very high. There was a very high bar set on Due South, and very much a groundbreaking show because it, it was a a show completely produced in Canada that became that was a prime time uh a primetime network tv show in the u.s airing on uh, on cbs so that was kind of a, a pretty big deal at the time it was neat it was neat to be able to to know that and you know what one of the most interesting things is is the friends i've met over the years you know like yourself you know i mean to be able to to talk with you in the uk and john who's now living in australia and people literally around the world are aware of that show and uh there's just a really universal uh, love for that show, and and at the conventions, I've I've met so many amazing people from every corner of planet Earth, and it's it's really gratifying and very touching to be able to know that something of, I was involved in has has had a big impact on on people. It's cool.
1: Oh, it's amazing. Um, we'll just share a few of the comments uh, from the floor here. So, uh, Jason Voorhees, as he's going under, uh, says, "Hey." uh we've got uh tree frog writer just the person i was hoping to do she clarified she meant catch there and um i love jay senko interviews this is from stephanie bennett uh he's such a great storyteller and lots of people echoing that sentiment so uh thank you for these wonderful stories jay uh one which I have to make sure I ask. There's a few other questions hopefully we'll get to, but I will get lynched by people if I don't at least ask you about this. Is there any chance you'll get involved with the much-mooted reboot
0: of G-South? Wow. I didn't know there is a reboot. Is, is that a confirmed thing?
1: Well, all I can say is when I interviewed Paul Gross about a year ago, he said that they were kicking around ideas, him and David, and David Marciano has said today uh, that he... he he's he was saying it that it's going to be hopefully coming 22 23
0: wow well i would love to work on it I, I i haven't i haven't this is the first i've actually heard that there would be a potential i mean people talk about that all the time but if, if, you're, if you're hearing it from david marciano then it may be a real thing and that would be uh, i would love to work on it i i would hope that i would be able to to do that and they would want me back to work on it that would be cool
1: I I think it wouldn't be the same without you, sir. I mean, uh, I've actually, uh, on YouTube, they've now put up the episodes, but for rights reasons, they've stripped the music away. And man, it's, uh, episodes still stand up, but it's like, it is like something's very sorely missing without that amazing music that you put on there. And uh, again, as I say, the... um, the chosen musical choices, as well as the new ones, uh, just blend so well into the episode. When it's missing, it's like uh, part of the dialogue's gone.
0: I'm sorry, I, I, don't I was just—I I, I, just—I missed the last thing you said. Sorry.
1: Just like when you when you don't have the music there, it is like a part of the dialogue, dialogue's missing. The music is so integral, I believe, to g South*.
0: Well, that's the interesting thing, you know, when you see the show, when we would spot the episodes, occasionally, you know, occasionally the the editor would put in, would drop in a piece of music, especially later shows. They would drop in music cues that already existed from previous shows, you know, saying, you know, and often because they would like to edit to it. And, uh, but when we were seeing it, you're seeing it without... Any music and really without any of the other sounds involved as well so you know and that's a big part of it too if there's a you know a car crash you want to hear the the sound that sound or if there's a a gunshot you want to hear the sound of the gun or whatever it might possibly be and the music and yes it's any any show you work on without music boy, you you go yeah this needs music there's some shows that that really don't lend themselves as much to music that i've worked on over the years but uh but most of them do benefit from from having interesting music involved you know it's just one of those things where there's uh it just adds a whole other connection to things and, uh, and me being a music person i mean I, I i really recognize when i i'm really impacted by music in shows when i i i recognize music scores that i really love and i and when I hear songs that are used really well in in a TV show or in a in a movie, it really leaves a big impact. But it, I mean, if you just think of some of the some of the you know impactful movies of you know since movies began, you know, in Jaws, dunk, dunk 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 It's two notes. Two notes. <laughs> don't, 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 don't. It's, it's huge. I mean, it's it, that's a huge part of that particular movie. I mean, John Williams, just a great, great film composer. I mean, just so many brilliant ideas over the years. And uh, and with Do South, I guess there's certain signature lines that always work really well with that. So, boy, that would be neat. It'd be interesting. I was thinking about that. I was thinking, how, if they did a, a Do South reboot, because obviously time has passed we've all that's the last episodes were done in 1998 so that's been uh, it's literally 23 years ago i guess now Mm. so and i've seen paul i've seen paul gross and a few things since then And i've i guess i've crossed paths with him a couple times but we haven't really kept in in major touch over over the years although we've written some music together over the over time and he and david keely were the Gross Keeley Band, and uh, they did a few records. They were really quite good. I mean, Paul's a talented guy. Paul Paul Gross can he can write songs and sing, and he's just and he's you know obviously a great writer and a great actor. I mean, you know that's sort of a he's a he's a definitely a, a super talented individual. There's no doubt about it.
1: Um, a lot of love there just from uh from John right again uh, thank you Jay always love listening to your stories and insight love you buddy uh, i think that's echoed by oh, isn't everyone that nice love you
0: too John love you too buddy
1: <laughs> uh i i just want to kind of round out by maybe um well something which John actually asked uh, one of his questions was if there's any uh music that you would want to reinterpret or redo uh from uh, a from any tv show from past to present which show would it be and why and and maybe just add to that if we've got enough time uh if you were to redo uh to go back to Due south now what would you like to add
0: hmm boy if i went to back to do south now or if there was a reboot of Due south i would still hmm. consider the acoustic guitar to be kind of a main a main instrument because i think that really was part of the character of, of Benton Fraser. I really do love, you know, some of the, I guess I call them Arctic sounds, but I guess they're, you know, the flute, the the low drum. Uh, a lot of the elements would still work really well. Um, you know, but I, one thing we started using a little more in later episodes was a little more piano. And I kind of like the piano. The piano had a real kind of a, uh, and Jack is a great piano player. And I mean, it's just really, you know, he's just a real monster on the keyboard. So melding that, and I guess with the way we kind of looked at it, was the piano had a bit of a Chicago element to it. You know, you can you can get kind of bluesy with it. And when I think Chicago, I think chess records. And I think of that, you know, a lot of that kind of vibe going on there. So, you know, I think we would probably use a little more piano. And who knows? I mean, it would be wonderful to have a, a budget to be able to use, you know, a, a string section in certain parts and, and things like that, you know, to be able to to do that. At the same time, part of the charm of Do South was that it was often very stripped down. Some, some music cues were just an acoustic guitar or just a piano or just, a, you know, very very minimalist as opposed to filling in all the holes you know that's that's in some ways one of the most important things is is not filling in too much at the wrong spot because you can really clog things up and you know having a having a really pure guitar sound interestingly you know with do South, i used a martin d28 guitar on the uh on the pilot movie And then for the first two episodes, when the show first began, I used a Yamaha acoustic. And I missed the sound of the big ringing Martin, you know, the big dreadnought Martin acoustic guitar. So, and I didn't have one. I I just rented one for the pilot episode. And I was using Yamaha for for the first two episodes. And then the third episode of Due South, which was, I believe, Manhunt. I think that's what it was with Leslie Nielsen. That's the, where he's, he first appears. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and pardon me if I've got the name of the episode wrong, but I used the first episode with Leslie Nielsen. And it was so good no, to I have, have yeah. the D28, that, that D28, because it just has that that ring, that ringing, you know? and uh, And, you know, those episodes, we were, the first season, we mixed it at a place called Digital Studios with Mike Jones, the late Mike Jones. And I was sad when I heard he passed away. That was a few years ago. But uh, Mike was a great, great engineer. Worked with tons of great people over the years. People like the Rolling Stones. And he was from he was from England. He, he had worked as an assistant at Olympic Studios back in the '60s and the early '70s. A really cool guy, and and uh, learned a ton from him. And he he mixed some music that I did on my own, some of my solo stuff, and. Uh, but anyway, he had he was really very particular about his acoustic guitar sounds. And that carried on to when when we got past working with Mike for you know subsequent seasons along the way. So you just learn, you know, it's just a fascinating music is so fascinating to me. And I you just never you, you'll never conquer it. You'll never completely, you know, go beyond there's there's always something new to learn, and that's gonna be the way it is you know, for as long as I'm a, a lucky enough to be around here on earth, you know.
1: Jay, thank you so much. Uh, I'd love it if you could spare some time to come back again someday.
0: I would love to. I would love to. It's been great talking to you. Thank you.
1: If you could just do me a favor, just for the uh, intro to to the uh, Jew South podcast, we do Jew South by Southeast. Could you just say, uh, this Jay Semco, and you're listening to Jew South by Southeast.
0: You bet. This is Jay Semko, and you are listening to Do South by Southeast.
1: Jay, thank you. This has been amazing. And I just want to uh, thank you because uh, people have been donating at dogthesquery.com for Phoenix Dogs Free Homing. And I get to ring the donation bell once again because we're up to yes. £596.
0: Whoa. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs>
1: thank you, sir. I know a lot of people stayed up just to uh, to watch this in the UK as well as watching around the world. So, yeah. Um, Thank, Thank you
0: for having me here. Thanks, everybody, for for hanging out here, you know, and, and best of luck. It sounds like things are going swimmingly and really successfully right now.
1: Thank you, Jay. You take care and I'll speak to you soon.
0: Okay, thanks. Take care.
1: Thank you for your time.